Hello, lovers. Hello. How are you doing, Caitlin? I'm pretty good. How are you, Kristen? Good. I want to jump right in and take us back a little bit to episode five, I think, when we talked about rock stars. I have no idea where this is going. Okay, where this is going (laughs) is that at the beginning of that episode, you talked about how you looked into our, like, internal document that, like, keeps track of the books we're reading and you checked it at the end of the week and you were surprised because I had read like a ton, <laughs> like a shit ton of rock star romances because I really love that trope. And you were surprised. And so the reason I mentioned this is because this week for our topic, I feel like you read like seven to ten books <laughs> and I was the surprised one. Yeah, I went a little overboard. Yeah. Well, you know, this is one of my favorite tropes. I didn't realize how much you liked <laughs> it. And also, I, this is a week where I'm like, kind of not as into it i don't know it's interesting because you love it and i'm like eh. i will say the ones that do it well i think do it really well yeah i love 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 those books and then the ones that don't do it well i just dnf which means i didn't do not finish i did not finish them yeah i I did i dnf'd a lot i started out with a lot more books and then most of them were crap i did that with the hockey episode too i feel like i dnf'd a lot okay but so what we're talking about today are male virgins Hmm. which is is it a trope or just like a feature? It's like a subgenre. Yeah, of romance. Yeah, yeah, okay. So so what I think is really interesting is it can span a number of different tropes. So today we're talking about sports romance. I think you read a historical romance, is that right? I did. Yeah, I don't yeah. know I don't know the difference between historical and regency. It, regency is a subcategory of historical. Okay. Yeah. Because it's just a very particular time period that romance authors love. So yeah, sports, historical. I read a dark romance. I feel fantasy. Like we, fantasy. Yeah, we, we really can cover the gamut. I feel like it's similar to the beach episode where yeah. the beach is just the location, but you can have like a, a ton of different kinds of stories. So yeah, we're talking about the male virgin today. I will say that most of the male virgins fit into a certain category, like a type of character. And I thought this was true more so before I started reading for this week. And I realized how many different characters you can have that also are virgins. But... The initial couple books that I read, the male virgin main heroes, all had very similar characteristics. Well, what did you, so what did you think before you started reading these books? Like, what was the picture in your head? Okay, so the first book that I read with this trope was Mia Sheridan's Archer's Voice, which we will talk about in a few minutes. But that character in that book is very sweet. He's kind of a recluse. He's very attentive to the heroine. He really listens to her. He is a very quick learner. Like, they all have these very similar characteristics of, like, yeah, I'm a virgin, but I'm going to make up for it by being amazing at this my first time ever because I, like, listen to you and I care about you and I'm obsessed with you because you're the only woman that I have been with and want to be with. And then I read a bunch of books where that the main character was, like, not the sweet, innocent, recluse hero. Yeah. Which is also great, but I do think some... Some some of the male virgin books tend to take on that character as their main hero. Did you have, did you know you liked male virgins as much as you do before you read Archer's Voice? I don't think I really thought about it because in real life it's not like that. Yeah, like I've been with virgins and the, oh, know what they're doing. <laughs> I don't know what they're doing. Is the, is the um, end of the story? <laughs> no, I mean no. I guess it's not true. I mean, I was with a virgin the first time when I was a virgin, right? 
or my first time I lost it. And then I was with somebody, and the next person I was with was also a virgin and I wasn't, but he, he was like, I don't know. I don't know why I'm talking about this. This is a bad path to go down. <laughs> but in real life, they're not like, oh, I listen to every gasp and every moan and I, <laughs> I know exactly what to do because I follow her body religiously. Like, that's just not reality. They're just like, one, two, pump, I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I don't remember because that was a long time ago. Because it was but so fast. Probably. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my God. So we're going to go topic a little yeah, bit. But, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, I was just curious because you, you really fucking love this trope, and I just didn't know if, like, that was a thing you... Uh, no, I, 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 the Archer's voice, though, it did make me like male, male virgins, too, and I guess I haven't... Even though this isn't a trope that I love as much as you, that book is, like, one of my top favorite books. Yeah. And the first time I read it, I was like, whoa, I've never seen this kind of male character before. Well, I think that's what it is. I think reading the rest of these books, because I didn't... I enjoyed all the books we read this week, but I wasn't, it wasn't like my ideal hero. It's not about the virginity thing. I think it's actually the character that's sort of reclusive and then finds his, you know, salvation in this one person. I really, that, that as a fantastical idea really appeals to me. Yeah. More so than him just not having been with anybody. It's like, oh, his first experiences are with this person and he's really attentive and he's, you know, he trusts her above everybody else because she's the one that sort of got through to him. Yeah. Okay. So before we talk more about male virgins, I want to talk about virginity in general, because the whole reason we're talking about male virgins is because they're kind of not (laughs) very prevalent in romance novels. Like they're, I mean, even though we found a lot of books to read, more so there are female virgins in romance. And And historically, that's much more common. Historically, it's much more common. And it happens, you know, I think, in a lot of historical romance novels, but it happens in a shit ton of contemporary novels too. Uh, whether and usually that's a novel where maybe the heroine is like between eighteen and twenty-four or something. But I, <laughs> I would say probably like forty percent of the books I've read, contemporary, like the woman is a virgin. Really? And yeah, I feel like it happens a lot, and I don't really get it. And so, I, yeah, what I, I guess what I want to talk about is like you know why that is and. Obviously, these books are also written by women, but we tend to think of, like, the fetishizing of female virginity to be, like, a male thing. So, like, why are women writing it into books? Hmm. They're female virgins. I don't know. You know, there is this thing that, like, men are obsessed with virginity. This is something I asked my husband. I was like, is that attractive to you that, like, a you want to, like, fuck a virgin like that? And he's like, I never got that. I don't understand that. But that obviously is a thing. Yeah. And I don't know. I Yeah, I can see it, like, like I said, from the female perspective to the male virgin perspective, I like the idea as, like, a high-level concept of being the only person for somebody. I think that's that's a general idea that we really find, like, intriguing for romance novels. On a practical level, I've never been attracted to that because I want somebody who knows what they're doing. Yeah. And in real life you know, most people who haven't had sex before just don't know what they're doing the first time. So, and you you have to be in a specific relationship with somebody to want to, like, take them through that and teach them and, you know. So you're saying it's, like, kind of like the romance novel. Like, it is a fantasy, even if it's a contemporary romance and it seems very plausible. Like, it is a fantasy. That's because it's fiction. Right. Versus, like, the practical application of it. Right. As a platonic ideal, having somebody who's never been with somebody else and that's yours, like, that. I understand as something that's attractive. 
And if you can write it into a fantasy where, oh, they magically also know what they're doing and it's good the first time, even if it's a female virgin and whatever, you know, that's that's attractive. But on it would never it's just not the same in real life. So I think it, it yeah. lives in that fantastical world. Well, so that's interesting. So going back to the female virgin thing, you know, I so I don't have any I haven't talked to a guy about that is does have a thing for female virgins and the kind of like ascribes to that female virginity ideal. But I would guess that their your reason for thinking the male virgin is like a fantasy, but like is ideal in a certain way is not what men think about why they like female virgins. What do you think it is? I mean, I think it's very like caveman possessive. Well, but I think mine is too, in a way. I get well, yeah. You're just you're talking about it very romantically, I guess. <laughs> uh, yeah. Is like well, yeah. You can <laughs> physically own her, but you can yeah, yeah. I think you can talk about it either way. I mean, yeah. I could say like he's mine, and I only want him to have been inside me, and that's it. Like I could say it like that too. Yeah, but I'm not. I wouldn't normally. Anyway, yeah, I so I but I did I did look into a little bit of like the obsession with virginity with female virginity specifically i found an article by from medium that i'll link in the the episode summary but they they talked about like why virginity is an obsession and like how historically i mean it goes back to like the virgin mary queen elizabeth of the first of england yeah and just american culture like one of the quotes i took down was american culture openly equates sexuality with morality yep and so tying virginity up into that and so then I, I think it is interesting to have sort of flip flip the script and have the the male virgin which it, i don't think subscribes to the same you know notions it's t- you know taking it out of the normal context of virginity and that definitely makes it interesting and novel even if we've seen so many books with it yeah i like that it normalizes it in a way like yeah. it's never i haven't read any book where you know, the guy is looked down upon for not having... No, it's always seen as, like, before. very attractive. Like, yeah, he just, like, is who he is and he accepts it and expects yeah. everybody else to accept it, too, which I really appreciate. Because, well, like, I didn't see that in all my b- books that I read. Like, I, not not from the male perspective of, like, they are okay with it. But it's, in the books I've read, it's always been the female's perspective of, like, oh, that's totally fine. If you're worried about that, you shouldn't be. And right. also, you are more attractive to me now. Right. Right, right, right. There was one book, which we'll talk about, Keepsake, where the guy, the other guys sort of made fun of him for being a virgin, but he sort of took it in stride, and it didn't really bother him. It was just sort of like, he knew, they were all friends, and he knew they were just messing around with him. Yeah. I did actually write, <laughs> under why we love male virgins, this reverse caveman slash cavewoman idea, because I do, I do think that's there. Really? To a certain extent. Yeah, I think... Well, okay, so if you have any jealousy in your body, which my husband does not, and I for sure do. (laughs) (laughs) Wow, you guys, like, absolutely know that about each other. Oh, yeah, he's, like, doesn't care at all if I talk to exes or, like... Well, since he edits this podcast and you have already (laughs) talked a fair amount about your exes, I... Yes, I'm very grateful that His senses must be dulled at this point. (laughs) It's also probably true. But then he... I see him texting a woman on his phone, and I'm like, oh, who's... Who's that? Who's that person? He's like my 50-year-old friend from the, my old job. I'm like, oh, yeah, what's what she want? What's she doing? <laughs> I have problems. So I understand it from that. Like, from a person who's jealous, for you to be like, oh, I'm the only one who can make him feel this way. There's nobody com- to compare me to. I think that's a big thing. Mm, I didn't think about that. And yeah. then you've given him this, like, gift of this amazing feeling that no one else has ever given him. And you know that, like, he's tied to you because of that. I, I under, I get all, I get it all. I understand yeah. all of it. I think when I think about it, you know, for women it's different because 
whether or not your hymen is intact, there is like, there's a discomfort that happens when you lose your virginity and like something is entering inside of you. Whereas for men, it losing their virginity, not that it's not a big deal, but it's like physically there is less involved. It, yeah. You just put it in something and you pull it out and yeah. like, boom, you're not a virgin anymore because you stuck it in a hole. Like, <laughs> didn't we learn that the hymen is not a thing that's intact or not, that it's a muscle? Didn't we learn? Didn't you say that? Yeah, we did talk about that in the when we talked about our first Fear the Love Friday. We talked about yeah. the principles of pleasure on Netflix. Yeah, I did talk about the, the hymen not being a freshness seal that yes. you break. Yes, but is. what I'm saying, I guess, is like whether or not your hymen is intact, I guess uh, that is a reference to like whether or not it has been like stretched. Yeah. Like yeah. to a point where, you know, you would, you're in pain or like well that's the thing yeah for women well unless you're in a romance book where it's it hurts for a second and then it's beyond pleasurable which was not how my first so time second went. thrust <laughs> yeah you're like Is suddenly okay. suddenly this feels great not how it happened for me maybe for somebody <laughs> else that's a whole nother story that i will not tell you on this podcast okay okay <laughs> but for men it's just like in all the books he's just like well I just, i'm just trying to last as long as i can yeah yeah so that's it yeah well, so, but going back to how I just think there's, like, a lot physically, less physically involved for a male to become de-virginized, for me, when I think about, like, what is appealing about the male virgin trope, it's, you know, the woman knowing that they have, like, opened the eyes of the male virgin and, like, given them immense pleasure that they never knew existed and, like, yeah, you I were revealing it to them. <laughs> yeah, but I feel like you said a little bit differently. <sighs> Yeah. Anyway, well, that that's, I love this that trope. was was appealing to me. Um, you did fucking love this trope. Let's talk about some nail colors. Yes. Well, you go first. Christine. Okay. Yeah. I I think these are my favorite nail colors names. Yeah. The names match uh, with our topic because out of all the ones we've done, so I'm wearing Yank My Doodle, <laughs> which is actually really fucking gorgeous. It's like a I don't know. It's like a pink. What it's almost like a it? salmon. Yeah, salmon's good. It's like a kind of a dull salmon, but not in an ugly way. It's it's really nice. Not in an ugly way. Not in an so, ugly way. Really? So in a pretty way. <laughs> really amazing um, <laughs> advertisement for that color. Yeah. I am wearing my very first knockwurst. Yeah. Which really goes more to female virginity, but hey. Yeah, but it's also really beautiful. It's like a light blush color, I would say. it's. I really like it. Yeah. I bought it somewhat hesitantly because I wasn't sure if I should just be buying nail polish for the name itself but I really like the color. I mean, that would not be the last one that we bought specifically for the name. I know. I also don't think that that particular nail polish, like I'm pretty sure the collection it's from is like, I don't know, the Germany collection or something. I don't know if it's like, we interpret Knockwurst as something. Yeah, they did not. (laughs) We we lend a lot of meaning to these nail colors that probably were not their intention. Yes. Okay, so let's kick it off with some books. Let's kick it off with the OG male virgin novel. Uh, Archer's Voice by Mia Sheridan. I think this was actually like the fifth or sixth romance novel I read because it's just like up there. Probably all the was time. for me too. Yeah, and even though it was early on in my romance reading, I thought it was so different from like the few romances I had read. Yeah, that I was like flabbergasted. I was like, this story is like so novel and unique, and like you know, this hero I'm seeing, I've never seen this before. But basically, uh, our male hero is Archer, and the female heroine is Brie. And so you read this book twice. Yep. 
Okay, so I only read it once, but it was a while ago. I feel like you didn't reread it for this episode either. So I read the, I reread the first couple chapters. Okay, okay. So if I recall, Brie just like shows up to this town, this small town. So Brie leaves wherever she was living before. I think it was Ohio or something. She leaves wherever she's living before and drives to Lake Pelion in Maine, I think, to basically get away from her life. Something really traumatic has happened to her. And then her best friend kind of put the moves on her, and she was like, this is the last straw, I gotta get out of here. So she drives all night and goes to Maine, and shows up and, like, rents a house for the summer. And Just, like, randomly. I think she'd been there once when she was a okay. kid or something, and she knew that she really liked it, so. Okay. All right. Yeah. Yeah. So, and Brie is, like, 20-something. Yeah, young Kind times. of, like, not timid? I wouldn't call her, I don't know. She's very sweet. She's, yeah, she's very sweet. She's just, like, a really nice person. Her dad was deaf, and she lived with him alone previously and helped him with his diner. She's just, like, a very nice woman. Okay. And she shows up in this really small town where, like, nothing ever happens and nobody new ever shows up except for the tourists over the summer. And so she's sort of a novelty to these people. Yeah. Archer, the hero, is mute due to an accident in his youth, which I won't reveal. But basically, he cannot talk at all. And That is what it means to be mute. I'm just clarifying for the people. <laughs> the people who don't know what you mean. Maybe. Listen. Okay. So he is mute and he is definitely a recluse. He like lives in the house that I think his relative, he lived with his relative and his, his relative uncle. passed away. Mm-hmm. And so he's just been there since and really has had like almost zero exposure to other people. To other yeah. people. His uncle he, died a few years ago, and he's left the property a handful of times to get supplies, but he doesn't interact with the community, really. Yeah. Either. And so how does he meet Bree? Because I didn't remember this. So he, he basically looks like a caveman. He, like, does have not <laughs> cut his hair. In maybe years, He his beard is all scraggly. He's wearing clothes that are, like, from high school because he doesn't go out to go shopping. Anyway, so she goes to the store to get some, like, Almond Joys and tampons. <laughs> <laughs> and then the plastic bag rips. Which, y'all don't use plastic bags. Here you go. Unless you want to meet a very dashing, <laughs> mute stranger in a small town. <laughs> That's such a... You know, when you go to think about, like, all the meet-cutes I've read about, I don't think I've ever read one as simple as, like, I had a plastic bag and it broke open and some it's, shit fell on the ground. It's good. It's really <laughs> it good. is good. It's, like, very, like, yeah, that could happen. Yeah. So the plastic bag rips and she bends down to pick up all of her stuff. And then <laughs> he's suddenly there. He's suddenly there <laughs> handing her stuff and she's, like totally flustered because she can tell one she's embarrassed because she's got like eight almond joys and a couple tampons on the ground (laughs) and that's her haul from the store and two she can tell even though he's really scraggly that his eyes are really beautiful and he's like an attractive person and so she gets all flustered and she's babbling and maybe the corner of his mouth pulls up but he doesn't say anything she's like you know you would really help me out here if he like said something and he just sort of his features sort of close off and then he just walks away and doesn't say anything and she's like, okay, well, I'm totally embarrassed, and this guy's kind of a douche. Yeah, so eventually, obviously, she finds out that he's mute. She does uh, use sign language because of her father, mm-hmm. and so they develop a relationship. There is sort of a an outside character, which is Archer's cousin, Travis, and he is sort of the villain to the extent he's, like, you can call him a villain, and he's the antagonist, I would say, mm-hmm. in the But story. he does have, he is the hero of his own story. Yeah, I that think, recently came out, book, I think. Which I haven't read. I can't get over all the things he does in this book. He's kind of a shitty person he's in a this sh- book. He's a, he's a, apparently he redeems himself. But yes, yeah, so the cousin, Travis, is also vying for Bree's affections. Mm-hmm. And 
I got the sense that he was like he was a bully. He yeah. bullied Archer when he was younger. Apparently, like, they're both also like freaking gorgeous, and this town just has an overflow of like gorgeous men walking yeah. around. It's small towns, man. That's I don't think that's reality. Well, I've lived in cities my whole life, so I don't know. Yeah, if you live know. live in a small town, tell us. Is it full of gorgeous men? Yeah. Is it? <laughs> Put <laughs> it on so, the map. <laughs> tell me which one. <laughs> Yes, says, says the both married women doing this podcast. We talk about threesomes. Mostly, I'm just okay. <laughs> okay, moving on. So yeah, they end up developing a relationship. He obviously loses his virginity to her. He, but he is a. Why are you giving me a face? Because this is so sweet. Oh my god, he's like, <laughs> he's like so excited to be with her. He is. And I think he, he is like on the far end of the spectrum of male virgins, where he has. Like, not only no contact, like, he's a virgin, but he has no, like, female contact, no people contact yeah, at all. He's, yeah. like, he's such a recluse that when he loses his virginity, it's, like, extra special. Well, everything I feel is, like, like, even physical affection is yeah. to him. He borderline should be in the Wild Hero episode, which we'll do in the future. Just because of his wild mane. Well, but he's sort of, like, I mean, he's, he's borderline at that level. Yeah. Where he has zero human contact and he's, like, okay, alone true, in the true. wilderness. He's, like, a wilderness man. That's okay, what he true. is. Okay, true. I mean, he lives in a house, but yeah. Yeah. You're right. He's a wilderness man. I'm really excited for that episode. I'm all about that. Me and that, that actually will deal, a lot of that will deal with male virgins. I know. Which is, you know, not really I get really to read my, more. Not really my, <laughs> but it's not really my thing, but I love the wild hero, yeah. like, so fucking much. And we're going to talk about another Mia Sheridan novel then, which I'm really excited yeah. for. Oh my god. Mm. When are we waiting? Do not doing that till the fall. I think so. God damn it. It's so far away. So good. Okay. Okay. So anyway, but Archer's voice had just really like opened my eyes yeah. to that a male version is a thing yeah. in romance novels and it's fantastic. Go read it, please. Yeah. yeah. It's not on Kindle Unlimited, but it is worth it. Well, yes, says the person who read it twice and two and a half times at least. Yeah. I'm sure there's more raids in your future. Probably. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. No, I kind of want to It's sort of it. like, it's like my comfort read. Yeah. You know, when I've read a bunch of shitty books, and I just need something good that I know it's going to be really entertaining. Yeah. And comforting, you know? <sighs> okay. Keepsake. You're gushing all over the place. I know. <sighs> gushing more than a romance virgin. <laughs> <laughs> actually not what i meant to say what were you going to say <laughs> gushing more than a, than a romance heroine during that the is sex. not what i thought you were going to say <laughs> well i don't even know if i want to say the thing that i thought you were holding back i'm cutting all this out anyway okay fine i thought you were gonna say gushing as much as a first time a male losing his virginity <laughs> literally coming that's sort of what, it, what I said when I said romance virgin, but that's not what I meant. That is in no way connects. <laughs> and also, you should keep this. <laughs> no, it's good. Cutting it out. It's gold. <sighs> not cutting it out. All right. All right, talk about your next one. Oh, God. Without giving too much Why away. does our mom listen to this podcast? Oh, okay. I'm keeping it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, keepsake. By Serena Bowen. So we've we've read her books before on this podcast. She's, and I read the first one of this series. Oh, did you? I think it's called, like, Bountiful or... I don't know. But I read the first one. Yeah. Okay, so she does a lot of hockey romance. Yes. And so we've we've talked about her before. She did Him with yeah. L. Kennedy. Yeah. She's great. Really love her work. So this book is about Lark and Zachariah, who goes by Zach. And I'm not going to give too much away. What? All of these have a spoiler that 
that the male is a virgin, by the way. Like, <laughs> I, that's supposed to be like... I mean, that's like why we're talking no, about No, I know. It. I just wanted to like, in some of these books, you're not supposed to know that until like towards the end. Yeah, but I feel like when people search for books, particularly if like you're a romance reader... It's like how people search and they're like, I want to know if this book has a surprise pregnancy. Yeah, no, I know. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Like, sorry. But if you don't want to know which books have, don't read the list. And don't look at the list. And probably don't listen to the rest of this or just, I don't, but please also listen to the rest of this. But give us a positive review and just move on. (laughs) Because we warned you. (laughs) Okay, keepsake. Mm -hmm. Lark and Zachariah. Okay, I'm going to try to keep this brief. This is a really good book. One of my favorites that I read for this trope. Loved it. Really? Yes. Really, really liked it. I mean, Serena Bowen's just so good. Yes, but I actually didn't, like, love the first one of the series so much. Like, it was good, but I I wasn't, like, I, like, I, I don't know that I'd go back to it and read it again. Oh, I really, really like this one. Again, it has a lot of my favorite things, though. Okay. Including, like, okay, I'll tell you. I'll just, I'm just going to tell you what happens. Okay, so after enduring a kidnapping while she's traveling abroad for work, Lark, the heroine, she's very traumatized. She escapes her friend's orchard in Maine. What's with Maine being like a spot state for of sexy virgins. male virgins? That's where you gotta go. <laughs> that should be the state law. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what the hell it is, but Maine, you could you could afford a, a fancier, you know, title, yeah. or, you know, to get more people up there. That's true. Okay, so Lark escapes to her friend's orchard to work the apple harvest. There, she sees Zachariah, who goes by Zach. And he works at the orchard because he escaped from a cult four years ago where he was raised. He grew up in the cult. It's a polygamist cult. So when the women were of age, they would be married off. Multiple women would be married off to an older man. And they would kick out a bunch of men between the ages of like 20 and 30 because they just didn't have enough men. They didn't have the, old the ratio. taken all the women. Right. The ratio wouldn't have worked if they kept all the men. So he gets kicked out. We don't find out why until later in the book. But he gets kicked out and he comes here because some other escapees of the cult are living at this place. So he's living there. They meet. They end up sleeping in the same building. There's like a bunk room for all the guys and then one bedroom where she sleeps. And a night or two in into her time there, she wakes up screaming. And he's the only one of the guys who gets up and goes into her room and helps to comfort her. This happens like every two to three days. She wakes up screaming. He wakes up, goes in there. Eventually he just goes into bed with her and like snuggles are they friendly like during the day in between this or this is like their only interaction it's a lot of their interaction but they they do start working the farmer's markets together so they are spending a lot of time like driving together working together so she's dealing with like obviously has ptsd but undiagnosed and he somehow is like totally mentally fine after escaping the cult four years ago which i talked to someone today about who also escaped a cult and i was like four years after you escape a cult that you grew up in should you be dating? And he said, no, he should not be dating and he needs therapy. So like, I don't know how realistic this is. Well, this is interesting that you're telling me this because I only read, I think like the summary of this book, like on the back of the book and I skimmed it, but I saw that he was in a cult. And so I immediately thought he was going to be the damaged one in this book, but it sounds no, like No, he's her. like pretty, I mean, he obviously has, like he, he, he's similar to Archer in Archer's voice where he doesn't have a lot of human contact there was no hugging in the cult it was like he never touched another woman because it was weird to touch another man's you know one of his wives so he's just getting used to hugging and physical affection and lark is very you know affectionate and free and she used to be like this really fearless adventurous person before her trauma during her travels so yeah they have a a pretty instant connection they had seen each other once before she left on her trip and now she's back so she feels really safe with him and but one of my favorite things is, like, 
waking up from a nightmare and then getting comforted by the other character that's like a thing thing. that's a thing that i like whenever it shows up in books yeah so i have a list of those i won't even call that what do you call that it's not even a trope because it's so tiny i don't know for me it's it's not really a kink it's no i don't know we should make up a name for it because like for me it's riding on a horse riding on a horseback i know yeah you've told me yes yeah and i but it's like not a trope it's just like a a scene yeah a scene trope no that's i'm sure reddit has a word for it okay anyway so i'm not going to share much more than that but it's really beautiful like how their relationship develops is he shy about his virginity well, the, the guys, this is the book where I said the guys sort of rib, rib on him for it, and he just sort of takes it in stride. Like, he's not shy about it. He's sort of upfront about it. And, you know, she obviously is not a virgin, so she, you know, helps him deal with that stuff and learn. And Yeah, um, he's a similar character to Archer in that he's very attentive and, you know, notices a lot about her and wants to learn. So, a bit steamy? Yeah, it's pretty steamy. That's a nice ending, obviously obviously it's just like nice it's part of a, a part of a series and so you've got like i didn't read any of the other books in the series but you could tell that like oh that person that couple was probably in another book and then yeah but it was nice it was good cool yeah, big fan so i read the game plan by Kristen callahan it is book three of her game on series it's a sports romance it's football i have now actually read this entire series this was the last one that i hadn't read the first one is the hookup then it's the friend zone. This one, the game plan is the third. And I forget what the fourth one is called. But anyway, I loved the other three, like a lot. Mm. Like I've reread them all to that. That's how much I liked them. Wow. I just think like Kristen Callahan does sports romance really fucking well. Yeah, she does. Ethan Dexter is our hero. He is, I should say this, this four book series, the very first book takes place when they're all in college. But the timeline progresses, so now this book three takes place when they're he's playing in the NFL. So they're yeah. out, out of college, years have passed. So Ethan Dexter plays in uh, New Orleans in on the NFL, and he, I don't know the position, I mean, he says what position it is, but I don't know. He plays the position in football where, like, the guys tend to have, like, a lot of mass. Okay. Like, they specifically mention, like, like most guys... Defense offense yeah like linebacker linebacker. (laughs) no the quarterback is always like the pretty boy like yeah yeah. no i don't remember but he the main female character specifically mentions like usually guys playing his position always have like somewhat of a belly because like they're so bulky and like but he doesn't he's just ripped and huge whatever of course not of course but it's just one big muscle right but the cover for this book does i think emulate what he probably looks like he's huge he's got tattoos all over his arms he has a big beard i'm if i recall i'm pretty sure he has a man bun like his hair is like down to his shoulders but he's also like the strong silent type you're giving me a look (laughs) you know how i feel about man buns (laughs) maybe yeah i do okay well just just ignoring it i'm pretending visually mentally ignore that yeah uh but he's a strong silent type and, and he's a virgin, obviously, is the, the whole thing. He doesn't, like, keep it secret, but he's not a public person because he's, like, a, a strong, silent type. Yeah. And so his friends kind of know, but it's not even something they've really discussed with him. And what I thought was interesting about this book compared to the other one I read, which we'll talk about later, is that the reason he's a virgin isn't really from, like, a trauma or anything. Like, he talks about that it, it there was a trauma, but it's not like he was kidnapped or, like physically abused or anything like he had a bad experience in college which i won't reveal 
And it kind of soured the whole experience for him. And also, like, as a football player, he's very aware that, like, women just want to use him because he's a football player. So somehow he ended up being a 24-year-old virgin. Our heroine... That is not that old. No, it's not. But so our heroine is Fiona McKenzie. She is the sister of the heroine in book two, Hmm. who is Ivy. And... Ethan, who goes by Dex with all his friends, knows Fiona because his best friend was the hero in book two. So he knows Ivy and then he knows Fiona because they're kind of in the same friend group. Anyway, he's noticed Fiona for like two years. He's seen her kind of on and off. She's never really noticed him, but he's always been indoor. And they end up being in San Francisco together because Ivy and... Dex's best friend, Gray, hero from book two, have a baby. And so they're like, please come help us. We're so tired. (laughs) We're so tired. Please come stay with us for a week in San Francisco. Wait, wait. These guys are NFL players? Yeah. They can't just, like, hire a nanny? Well, I thought about... I I also asked that question. I'm like, hire a night doula. What are you doing? Yeah, well, if you're that rich... If I had the money, I would... It would be night doula every night. Yeah. It would be constant night doula. Yeah. Or night... It would just be nanny. Yeah. All the time. Well, if you have a night doula, then how are Dex and Fiona going to meet Caitlin? It's not my problem. I'm already married. (laughs) Don't need any meat cutes in my life. Okay. Anyway, Dex and Fiona end up in San Francisco at the same time. He actually goes to a bar where he knows that she's hanging out because Gray and Ivy told him. And she's like, oh, I, do I know you? And he's like, yeah, you know me. He's, again, the strong silent type, so it's not really like they've had any, any interaction. But he goes and sits with her. They start talking. Her inner dialogue is like, he is not like any of the guys I normally date. She's like, I hate beards. I can't stand it. And then she tells him that because the thing about both of them is they are very up front they have like no filter (laughs) oh i love that yeah yeah and they both match really well like that they both have zero filter and she's like i don't like beards and he's like well how about i dare you i'm gonna kiss you and so they kiss and so i would say this book starts pretty steamy like very early on compared to the other books it's not really a slow burn you kind of jump right into it the thing is that he lives in new orleans and she lives in new york and so they end up getting into relationship but there's a long distance thing and Hmm. I won't give much more weight to the plot except to say that he is, you know, very different from Archer and sounds like from Zach as well in the other book, two books we talked about. He's, I would say, quietly confident. He's not like arrogant. He's very like silent and she knows that he's a virgin, but he doesn't seem timid at all. He just wants her so much that he just like goes for it and does, he doesn't really have a lot of inner dialogue of like I'm ashamed of this or I'm worried about this or like he, I mean, like he's a little bit nervous to have sex but he's also just like I fucking want you so much that it doesn't even matter Aww. and so they end up having this is why I love these books it's so nice yeah okay <sighs> it's so nice but it's a good book it's it's definitely a lighter book yeah. um it's a little fluffier I recommend the whole series. It's okay. very good. Cool. I love it. Okay. The next book is one that we spoke about, that you spoke about in our hockey episode, which yeah. I didn't even realize until I was re-listening to that one while editing it. I forgot that you had mentioned this. Oh, really? Yeah. Because I think we talked about Chloe Lee previously for something else. We talked to her about it a couple, a couple times. times. Yeah. So Chloe Lee writes books with neurodivergent characters. 
This book is an own voices book for autism, and it's about Ren and Frankie. Did I say the name? Always Only You. Did I say that? Okay, it's it's the Bergman Brothers series, book number two. So I won't go too into this because Kristen did talk about it, but the hero in this book, Ren, is a virgin, and he, you know, has loved Frankie for a long time. They get together. She's been with a couple people. This is a reverse grumpy sunshine. She's yes. the grump, he's the sunshine. Yes, but she's she's really a grump to sort of stop people from trying to talk to her that much because yeah. she doesn't reveal that she's autistic to her colleagues and she doesn't really yeah. want the attention to be on her. So that's why she's like that. But one thing you didn't really mention when you talked about this book is that it's like super nerdy. It is. And I don't nerdy. think we got that across. She carries a cane for her rheumatoid arthritis. And every time <laughs> there's a couple times when like someone's doing something shitty or like trying to throw their weight around and she'll fucking point her cane at people and use a harry potter curse as if it's a wand (laughs) and he's totally into it and everybody just laughs at it i just i just loved yeah this this book was very different from when we talked about hockey it seemed very different from all the hockey books we read and i think still in all the virgin books we're talking about i think it still stands out as kind of different yeah yeah i loved it i loved it so just wanted to plug Chloe Lise again. And now I'm going to read the rest of the series yeah. because it's so good. And I just want to learn more about all the characters. Anyway. Cool. Back to you, yeah. Kristen. Okay. The last book I read. <laughs> this will be the last time you hear from me in this podcast. You have some honorable mentions. Yeah, I do. Okay. I found okay, I found this book last minute when I was searching the catalog for male virgin romances. It's called Reaper. It's by A. Zavarelli. It's part of the Boston Underworld series. It's the second book. It's on KU. This is a just Kindle Unlimited. Kindle Unlimited. This is a very dark romance. It's very very steamy. The two characters are Ronan and Sasha. Ronan works for the Irish mob in Boston, and so I would I would say this is a mafia romance, which is really not my thing. The really yeah, the only mafia books I've really liked are the Danielle Laurie books. Oh, I assumed that you liked the whole genre because you recommended no, those to me. No, I just think those are so fantastic. Those are mm-hmm. The Sweetest Oblivion, Maddest Obsession, mm-hmm. and I forget what the third one's called. I think those are fucking fantastic, but I don't really like the mafia genre much outside of that. I really, really love this book. I think Sounds like you maybe like the mafia genre <laughs> to me. To me. Okay. Okay. We'll see. <laughs> we'll have to, I think we'll have to do a mafia episode at some we point. We're 100% going to do that. Force me to, to examine this genre more. So yeah. anyway... Ronan works for the Irish mob in Boston. He has a really, really fucked up dark past. I won't, I'm not even going to reveal all, all of it, but all the fucking trigger warnings for this book. Child abuse, like, on page. There's some sexual assault uh, or uh, attempted sexual assault for both of them. Very dark. Trigger Jeez. warnings completely. But basically, the his background is that he was essentially raised to be a killer like, he wasn't raised by parents. He was raised by people in a facility with a goal to make him a killer. And Like a Jason Bourne. Yeah, but super fucked up. Oh, I guess Jason Bourne's probably super fucked up, too. But he seemed like seemed like a pretty well-balanced guy in those movies. Did I he? don't know. He's, like, very... Really? He's definitely not well-balanced. Okay, he wasn't like this dude <laughs> okay. in this book. Okay, okay. I'm just going to say that. Okay. Okay, because Ronan now works for the mob and he is known to be called the reaper from the mob he is the guy that like tortures and kills people and he still as he's during the book he does torture and kill people and he like says he likes to torture people like he's fucked up anyway because of that he does not touch anyone this Mm. is very much of an unloved hero situation which 
is very, very common in the male virgin trope. I was just going to say that. When the next couple books I'm, re- I'm talking about, they don't, yeah. It's yeah, yeah. Unloved hero does not like to be touched. Our female main character is Sasha. She lives with her dying mother in Boston. She has a younger sister. She works as a stripper in the club that the mob kind of owns like on the back end and she didn't really know that when she started working there but she started working there because her mom i think she has cancer or something like basically she needed the money Mm -hmm. she ended up getting involved with one of the mob guys who ended up being a real piece of shit physically abused her but she ended up staying with him because he kept talking about how he was going to go after her sister so she's Mm -hmm. like very she's the heroine who takes on all the shit to protect her family which is pretty common in a lot of books yeah and she and Ronan met years ago when she first started working there. It's a This is a dual perspective, so you get him and her. He has always been into her, but he, like, does not talk to her. She has also always been into him, mostly because, like, he doesn't talk to her and he talks to everyone else. Like, he's not really – he's kind of the silent type, but he still talks to people. He basically ignores her, and that obviously intrigued her, and so – at the same time, she gets the feeling that he's, like, very protective towards her. So he's, like, the silent background guy. And so she notices him, but mm. they don't interact, really, until the actions of this book really really kick it off. There is definitely some stalking on his part. So again, all the trigger warnings. Of course, the stalking's done in a really sexy way where you'd be like, yeah, that sounds great. because It always is. It, that's, yeah, yeah, that's why it's mm-hmm. dark romance. Like, oh, I didn't know I wanted this. But, but then you do. Sure. I did want you yeah. to watch me all the time. So he's obviously a virgin. He is only okay with her touching him, mm-hmm. which, again, is another feature of these mm-hmm. books. He is nervous about the fact that he's a virgin, which is different from the other book that I read, The Game Plan. And he's embarrassed by it. He is constantly going to her house to be with her and then fleeing right after. Like, he can't handle the emotional stuff with it. Like, he's just dealing with a lot of shit, and she does as well. She also wants to leave after her mother passes because she's like, I gotta get the fuck out of Boston. So, yeah, they end up developing a relationship. There, There is a ton of alpha male possession going on, and so if that's your jam, you've got all that, plus the male virgin thing, the scarred, unloved man with a horrible past. Yeah, I really fucking loved it. I really it did. sounds like all the things that you like. It did, and it was on Kindle Unlimited. So I, yeah, I gave this five stars. <laughs> cool. I loved it. That sounds good. Yeah. I just want to mention Angry God by L.J. Shen, which is book, book three. number three in the All Saints High series by L.J. Shen. The main characters are Vaughn and Lenora. This also has a lot of trigger warnings, child sexual abuse, bullying. I... I'm not. Why are you laughing? Because <laughs> I'm reading your notes. <laughs> yeah. Don't read out loud. <laughs> I read I'm, this a long time ago. I just couldn't really remember it. Listen, I think it's really good. I, I, if you like bully romance, I have a really hard time with bully romance because I want my romance, I want the main characters in my romance novels to just be nice to each other. Yeah. That's you what have I a hard want. time with it. I can't even watch shows where there's no redeeming characters. Like, I need... Yeah, we were just actually just talking about this. We were just talking good. about this. Yeah, I this need... Is, this is... And also, like, you were reading this book, and you were specifically like, these are all the books I read this week. You'd really like this one, Kristen, because it's bully. Yes. I was like, <laughs> please take this off my hands and, and finish I, yeah. this, because it's hard for me to watch on the page the hero being mean to the heroine. Yeah. And, vice and I love bully romance, so. Yeah. So anyway, this is 
high school bully romance. And it's high school. That, that can be hard, too. It's just hard. in general, like, because it's, it's just so fantastical. Yeah. It takes place when the characters... Well, it starts out when they're about 13. I think he's a year older than she is. She's maybe 12. And then the events of the book really happen last year of high school and then the following six months or so. They're art students and... And takes place in both England and California. You don't need to read what my notes yeah, say. Yeah, <laughs> we're good. Caitlin writes high school bully romance, artsy fartsy type. Art <laughs> well, students. I just, I just can't stand. <laughs> I just can't stand the care. And this is nothing against the author. I like the way that that L. J. Shen wrote everything, but. People in real life who are like, I'm so cool because I'm an artist and everyone else is beneath me. I just can't stand those people. Like, so artsy fartsy. Yeah, they're really artsy fartsy. And Vaughn <laughs> is totally, he just thinks he's the shit and he is the coolest. So superiority complex. A hundred percent. He basically thinks he is a god and she thinks he's, he's a god. Angry he's god. the angry god. Yeah. <laughs> he is the, he has his own book written about him. Like, well, maybe he deserves to be arrogant then. <sighs> I love Lenora. <laughs> Lenora really holds her own. You, she, you have to in a bully romance. You have to, yeah. But she she starts out really sweet, and then after she starts interacting with Vaughn, and he's a real dick to her, she basically hardens herself up. Yes. To be I told to you the one scene I remember, which she was like, really like, fuck you. Yeah. I won't, I won't reveal yeah. it here. But, so, yeah. uh, including it here, he lets women do other things for him, and apparently everybody wants to give him a blowjob. Everybody, all the time, in public, doesn't matter. <laughs> anywhere, any place, in front of everybody, even if they're in a relationship, they'll just do it, blow him in front of their boyfriend. He walks in the room, we're like, I gotta get that dick. Like, listen, I went to an all-girls high school, but I don't think high school was like this. I don't think it is. I don't know. But he won't give anyone else pleasure, that's his thing. He, like, has no interest in anyone else. And giving anyone else pleasure or yeah, like, because is. of the events of his youth, which yeah. you, is, you is do she, understand. I forgot. Is she a virgin? Like, the thing is... No, I think she lost her virginity to someone else. Okay, like, okay. Years ago. She's yeah. Not, she I is. mean, you do tend to get a lot of male virgins in more high school books, but then they tend to both be virgins then. And, yeah. And for me, that doesn't, like, embody, like, the male virgin trope we're really talking about because it tends yeah. to be older virgins. But, yeah. I, I like that book from what I remember of it. I had a hard time with it, but I thought it was really... Objective. You finished it. I thought it was objectively good. I yeah. did finish it, but I because ha- I had to see. I if I'm going to read that book, I need to get redeemed. to the point where they're nice to each other. Yeah, at least otherwise it'll just haunt me, and I'll be like, why was he so mean to her? Man, and why, why, why do people it, just de- go to therapy and deal with the fact that you didn't like you somebody? Why your, do you have to bully them? Didn't you ever get your hair pulled by a boy? No, there was a guy. There was a boy in um, elementary school who used to be so mean to me. Probably and you. then somebody was like, oh, he just, I think you maybe were like, oh, he just likes you. And then I was like, oh, why are you being a dick, though? Yeah. I this remember being in fourth grade, being on the playground, and boys would be pulling my hair, and I'd be like, get out of here, bitch. But they like me. Yeah. That's what kids do. Yeah, I fucking hate it. It's fucked up. Let's, be, let's get in touch with our feelings, everybody. Yes. I'll teach my kids to Okay. To say what they, what they feel rather than. Right. Talk about your feelings. It's okay to love. It's okay. Okay. <laughs> therapy corner the message <laughs> for the bullies we should, have one, we should have like a Fraser type show at the end of each episode where people could just call in and I could be like let it go just feel your feelings Let's, we can do the feel the love Friday of like <laughs> yeah. every three months to a therapy version <sighs> I love version. it oh yeah virgin version <laughs> oh, we're losing it. okay okay i don't have that many more i have so many more books why are there so many on this list I okay think i said the word virgin more in the past 45 minutes than ever in my life before. Okay. Yeah. Pick couple a few more. more a couple more books. Through. Okay, okay. Come on, man. They're all good. They're all good. Y'all, read every... Read all of them. Get with the virgins. <laughs> <laughs> Get with 
all at once. <laughs> I'm, I'm losing it. It's fine. Okay. The Highwayman by Kerrigan Byrne. It's uh, book number one in the Victorian Rebel series. I think almost all of these are in a series, which is, it is what it is. Yeah. It's interesting. Okay. Dorian and Farah are the main characters. This is a Regency romance, right? It's historical. I don't know what yeah, Regency yeah, yeah. means. I don't want to. Regency. Oh, good. I don't good know what God. period this, that is. Regency is like, I'm pretty sure that's the Victorian period. I have to go back. I don't know when that is. Okay. That's the late <laughs> 19th century. I don't remember when this book takes place. I'm pretty sure. Okay. Actually, I think it is late 1800s. Yeah, that's that tends to be okay. Somebody sure correct us, or era. I'll just. I think Google it's, it. it's it's the Victorian era is literally the era of Queen Victoria, like when she was alive. She's not mentioned in the book, therefore I don't know. <laughs> okay, oh, no. You sure this isn't like the the time travel episode when you read the Irish book and you're like, I just skimmed all the history. No, no, I read all read. There isn't that much history in this book. Okay, okay. Book starts out when the when Farah is only eight. And she's living at an orphanage. Her family has dropped her off because she's, and she won't tell anybody her last name. So there's something going on. She's connected to some family. Stop reading ahead. Look at me. I'm not reading You're ahead. You're totally I'm reading ahead. I'm telling you to slow down. I'm talking too fast. Anyway, it's the New Yorker in me. It's the New Yorker. Okay. Keep reading. She. <laughs> New York. <laughs> Is that the only time the accent comes out? When I say New York. No, there's... Long Island. Long Island. Long Island. You gotta connect it, the G to the I. I say it how I say it, because that's how I grew up saying it. Long Island. Long Island. And a hot dog. Yeah, hot dog. It's <laughs> like the only thing I like, can yeah. naturally do that accent anymore. Yeah. Whenever dad comes to visit, though, I, I talk with Long Island accent yeah, for a few days Yeah, you slip back after. into it. Yeah. 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 It comes pretty easily. So easily. <sighs> okay. Okay. I don't like to discuss our dark past of having to grow up in Long Island for any amount of time. Hey, there's nothing wrong with Long Island. It's my villain, villain origin story. Villain? What? I like Long Island. <laughs> it's like one big strip mall. It worst. is not one big strip mall. Oh, it's the worst. Okay, I'm going to get a lot of hate for that. Anyway. You might have listeners in Long Island and you are shunning them. Listeners of Long Island, I like you. Kristen is your is your woman. You can convince me. Yeah. There's some good beaches. We'll talk about this offline. Farah's young. She's in an orphanage. She meets a guy named Dugan, who's 11. He cuts up his hand, so she starts to, she, like, helps him heal his hand, and then they become best friends. They're super cute. They're really young. She, like, sneaks him food. They're both in this orphanage. His parents are dead. Hers, again, like, dropped her off, basically, to keep her there for a while, so nobody really knows who she is to keep her safe. So we don't really know her mysterious background until later in the book. A couple years later, after they've been friends for a while, she tells Dugan that when she becomes of age, this man is going to come, this bad man is going to come take her away and marry her. And Dugan's like, nah, you're my best friend. I'm going to marry you. They have this, like, really cute, totally unofficial ceremony. And he gives her, like, a little ring or something. And they, like, say that they love each other. And they have a little peck on the lips. It's super cute. And then the next night, the priest who oversees the orphanage tries to molest her. He doesn't actually do anything but he tries to and she runs away and goes to find dugan dugan ends up stabbing the priest and killing him when he's like 13 so he goes away to prison for killing a priest for like 20 years and she escapes from the orphanage because she's now on the run she doesn't have him there so she's like i'm out she keeps track of him and then seven years later he dies in prison and she gets a job at scotland yard she takes on his last name and she carries on as if she's his widow because in her mind they were married so the book the events of the book really start 17 years after that night where he kills the priest. So she's probably like 30-ish at that point. 
20, late 20s, early 30s. Cause she, she was, major in math. Come she was on. like 10. Yeah, 10 plus 17. She's like 27. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So she carries on as a widow. She's working as a clerk in Scotland Yard. She's pretty badass. She carries on by herself. She doesn't need a man. She's the o- one of the only women who works there. And this really well-known criminal named Dorian gets arrested and gets brought into the questioning room. And she's brought into like type notes and Dorian starts saying a bunch of stuff about her and to her. And they have like a really weird interaction. She's like, there's something familiar about this guy, but he's really intimidating and really scary. And I don't know. Okay. So he gets out of prison because he's got all the connections. So somebody lets him out of Scotland Yard and then he kidnaps her the next night. And she's really confused. And he's like, I know who you are. I know who your family is. I want you to have your family's legacy and all your fortune. And so we're going to get married so that you can claim it and like show people who you are and you don't have to worry. I'm going to protect you from the bad guy who's still trying to come after you and find you after all these years. So she's, does she know who he is yet? No. Do you know who he is? Just based on what I've told you? Yes. Okay. Yeah. I mean, we figured it out pretty quickly. But but. she, so he's like, I'm going to kidnap you and then do this nice thing for you. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. It's confusing. Mm -hmm. And everyone in his employ is like, really intimidating but like super nice like there's this guy who's really big and he's clearly a really intimidating physically intimidating man but he like makes pastries and gives her pastries all the time he's like really sweet that's why you like the book it's pastries i love pastries so yeah there's a lot of drama there's a shootout at the docks she helps a prostitute friend of hers get away from a bad guy she's kind of a badass and oh what i was gonna say was dorian is similar to the hero that you were talking about who didn't want to be touched because he he doesn't let anybody touch him because of what he experienced, like the trauma he he experienced in prison when he was younger. So she's really the only person that he'll let touch him. Okay, so moving away from contemporary and historical romance, there's two more books I want to talk about. One is a fantasy called The Fae King's Curse by Jamie Schlosser, and it's part of the Between Dawn and Dusk series. And the main characters are Quinn and Kyrian. Quinn is a human, Kyrian is Fae. And at age 12, Quinn's out in her, by her family's riverfront area, and she pulls Kyrian out of the water. Kyrian's got pointy ears, he's got lavender eyes, and he's blind. And she is very confused. He's, he's blind? He's blind. And she's really confused. Like, where did you come from? Why aren't you freezing? You were just in this water. And he's like, take me to the honeysuckle fields. I can wander around here. I don't need a coat. Like, she's just very confused about who this person <laughs> is. He tells her, I'm your age. I'm 12. I'm, I'm Faye. And... I came through a portal and she's very confused, but she believes him. He leaves and he says he'll be back the next day. Of course, her family grounds her because she tells him she met a strange boy with lavender eyes in the woods. <laughs> <laughs> they're, like, they're, like, they're like, you can't go outside again. Um, so she goes out two days later and he's there and he's suddenly 14. Like he's much taller. He looks different. She's like, how did you, what's going on? It's been two years for him because time in the Fey realm passes a year for her is a day for him. Or a, year, a day for her is a year for him. So two years have passed since he's seen her last. So it's been two days for her. Yeah, it's been two days. So he comes back every day from age 12 to 18. He comes back every day and he, you know, as she grows up, he's like, he's Faye. So he can, he's going to live for thousands of years, right? So he's, it's been, I don't know, hundreds and thousands of years for him, but he comes to see her once a year on his birthday and they spend time together. So she turns 18 and he's been hanging out with her now for years and years and years. What did he like when he actually turned like 18, which I guess was like six days for her. Mm-hmm. Is he like an adult 
then? Yeah, he looks like an adult. He's hanging out with a kid? Basically, yeah. But they're just, I mean, they're just friends. Like, they just, he gets to, she's the person he comes, or he's the person she comes to with all of her issues at school, and she's bullied. Like, he just has a lot of affection for her. And then once she turns 18, he's like, oh, I actually am also attracted to you, and there's some, like, bond between us, and I want to spend time with you. Um, but he doesn't act on it until she comes and tells him that she's going to college the next day and she won't be back for a couple months. And he's like, that is hundreds of years for me. I can't go hundreds of years without seeing you. You're coming to the Fey Realm. And he takes her to the Fey Realm. Now, I was like, holy shit, she's never going to see her family again. But in the Fey Realm, she ages more slowly. So she will be the same age when she goes back to the human realm in a year. It'll just be like, she'll only have aged a day. So for her... Because he's Fae, he ages, like, I don't know. But it doesn't really apply to her. But it doesn't her apply to her. Yeah, okay. yeah. Anyway, so he really takes her, and he's like, this is my queen. Everybody meet my queen. And she's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I did not agree to be your queen. I'm 18. I was going to go to college. I was going to, like, leave. You're my only friend. I was going to, like, go make more friends. Like, I'm like, going to do stuff. <laughs> and they have to do all... They go on these adventures to, like, save the kingdom, essentially. Oh, so the thing about him being blind, though, he's obviously a virgin. That's why he's included here. A curse was put on all of the firstborn sons in the kingdom a long time ago, and for him, the witches told him that the only way to break his curse is to consummate his relationship with his, like, fated mate, and he can't even kiss somebody else unless she's his fated mate, otherwise he'll he'll be blind forever. So before he even takes her to the Fey Realm, he kisses her, and she's like, bro, you have cursed yourself to be blind forever, and he's like, I don't care, I'll be blind forever, I just want you, like, I love you and I want to be with you. And so it's very sweet. Obviously, their fated mates, like, the, pretty, no, pretty bummed. In no the world, like, right. Well, you're not mine. Just go be blind forever. Yeah. Um, but so eventually he gets his sight back once they actually consummate the relationship. But it's, like, it's very sweet. It's yeah. very cool. Very interesting concept of time. Like, the way time moves yeah. for them. Yeah. Okay, talk about one more. And then we do honorable mentions. Okay, fine. Shifter book. This is called The Tyrant Alpha's Rejected Mate. It's by Kate C. Wells, and it's part of the Five Packs uh, series. Una and Killian are the main characters, and they are wolf shifters, which means they can shift into wolves when they want to. I kind of read this as a Hail Mary. I was just like, I'll just try to read one more book. And this sounded, honestly, it sounded kind of crazy. It yeah. was like, I thought it was going to be one of those books where I'd be like, this is this is crazy idea for a book that I read. And I, <laughs> I read it in one sitting. Like, I just sat down it's, and read it for like five been, hours. It's been all over Reddit. As a thing, oh, really? Like, is highly recommended. Really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, I didn't know that. I just, again, went into this like, hmm. sure, why not? And I loved it. Killian's the alpha male of the pack. Una's basically at the bottom of the pack because she had an accident when she was young that tore up her leg. So she kind of has a bum leg. And she's never shifted before. So she sort of lives on the outskirts of this community with all the other single women. And Killian is super badass and is, like, pretty mean and is saving himself for his... I don't even know if he's saving himself for... He doesn't think he ever is going to have a mate, so I actually don't know why he's saving himself, but he's a virgin. But he, um... So he's... But he, so he's, he like... He does a, other stuff with a lot of women in the pack, okay, but he's never... Also, oh, that's why, that's why. He doesn't want to give anybody the idea that, like, they're special, so he doesn't okay. have sex with anybody. So the story really starts when she suddenly shifts in the dining hall and becomes the wolf, because there's this other woman, like, grinding up on Killian up where he sits at the front of, like, the room, and she basically attacks this other woman, and this woman, like, almost rips her throat out because... Una is, like, not a fighter and just shifted <laughs> for the first time and also just isn't strong. 
And so she claims Killian as her mate in the front of everybody, and he's just like, no, you're not, and you're going to leave. And he rejects her Damn. mate bond because he can't – there's a lot of stuff in his past when he can't really connect with his wolf very well, even though he thinks he can. So he's he's re- he's sort of repressing it and suppressing the mate bond. Is he also doing it because he's like, she is a low level – Yeah, well, he's like, in no way would the fates give me – Okay. Like, they only get like one person. Yeah, me, yeah, right? yeah. So she is in like a lot of pain. She's suffering. She's like going through basically being having this rejected mate bond in her heart. So she's really like in a lot of pain and he feels nothing because he's like suppressed it so far. So she goes to this like magical elder in the group and gets her to cut off the mate bond for her, but not for him. So once he starts getting more connected to it and realizing that there's a bond there and that she's his person... And then he fucked it up. There's like a ton of groveling. And That's him, what I heard about this. Yeah, there's a ton of groveling and yeah. him trying to basically get back in her good graces and her being like, I'm not pining for you anymore and fuck you. And I'm a badass like person, even though I have a bum leg and you can't treat me like this. And it's really good. Really good. I love grovel. I love a good grovel. It's yeah. Great. Yeah, that is where the context of this book is mentioned a lot. Yeah. I feel like grovel. Yeah. Cool. Well, okay. let's, honorable uh, mentions. Yeah, let's do some honorable mentions. There's actually a ton on this list. I yeah. feel like this is more honorable mentions than we do on any other thematic episode so far. And I was surprised that we got this list together because I feel like yeah, there's just like a lot more male virgin romance than I thought of. Yeah. The first one I'll mention is Outlander by Diana Gabaldon. We talked about Outlander in the time travel episode, but Jamie's actually a virgin in that. And but what? Not, not a monk. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well... I'm not going to attempt the Scottish accent, but yes, I remember the line. I can't remember if it's in the book or just in the TV show where, like, he's a virgin and they're, like, being physical and she's, like, surprised at something he does. And He's, like, a good kisser and he's, like... Yeah, and he, what he says... He's, like, I'm a virgin, no monk, no monk. I can't do it. It's been a while since I saw the show. I need to immerse myself yes, in the Scottish but I accent. always remember that line because, like, he's, like, yeah, I'm a virgin, but I've done some stuff. Come on. So I'll mention that one first. You go. What's Okay, Twice Shy by Sarah Hogel. Mabel and Wesley are the main characters, and they co-inherit a property together and then have to, like, remodel it while having very widely different ideas of what they're going to use this property for. He has a lot of anxiety, issues with anxiety, and so he comes off as this, like, major grump and asshole, and then it turns out that he's this really sweet guy, and they get together. Cool. Yeah, it's, it's pretty cute. Pestilence by Laura Thalassa. It's book one of the Four Horsemen series. We're going to talk about this in our Apocalypse episode. So I'll just, it's its a dark romance. It's apocalyptic. He's uh, one of the Four Horsemen and he's virgin. Are all of the Four Horsemen virgins? Is it just Pestilence? I don't remember. I don't think so. I read Famine and I can't remember if he was a virgin yeah, or not. either. But I'm going to reread them for the Apocalypse. They're so episodes. good. They really I are. I haven't read War, but I've read Pestilence and... Famine. I remember I, I read Pestilence. I remember I read Pestilence, and then I was like, oh, this was early on in our romance reading career, if you want to call it that. And I remember being a little nervous to recommend it to you because it was like really fucking. I've dark. read it twice. Yeah. Okay. Well, so I shouldn't have been nervous. Which is like not. We've. I've come to learn just speaking on this podcast that that's not unusual for me. <laughs> like I say that at least once an episode. Yeah. Yeah. And you've said about two books <laughs> yeah. in this episode alone. Yeah. Okay. So Pestilence. The other one is Lotus by Jennifer Hartman. It's a dark romance. He is basically was like kidnapped and held captive for like 23 years or something. Mm -hmm. So when he reemerges, he's like in his late 20s. He's not abused. He's just taken. Yeah. 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 He's just like basically stuck underground. Yeah. And so he's a virgin there. You want to mention one? 
I didn't read the rest of these. these well, you read the top Oh, one. Sacked. Yeah, yeah, Sacked by Jen Frederick, part of the Gridiron series. That's another sports romance in which she's a virgin. Yeah. <laughs> okay. And the last few I'll talk about, Gone Too Deep by Katie Ruggle is book three of the Search and Rescue series. It's a romantic suspense. This one's actually Ooh. really fucking good. I wish I had reread it for this episode so I could actually have talked about it. He's basically like a mountain man that's like leads her on a trek. Mm. And there's there's lots of like protecting and being in, in trouble and fleeing bad guys and things like that. Uh, Nerdgasm by Kimberly Reese from the Naughty Nerd series is a novella. It's a contemporary romance novella. Really light, not angsty at all. Our hero was a stutterer when he was younger. Mm. And he went to speech therapy. And so he largely has it under control in college where he is a TA in graduate school. But when he gets nervous, he still stutters. And so that has made him, made it difficult for him to interact with females because he's shy and, and about that. And our heroine is a student in the class that he TAs. It's really light. It's And it's a novella. You can read it in like two hours. Mm-hmm. And then the last one I'll mention, which I started but didn't finish, but I have to mention because of the name. And I talked this up. I said a really funny named one. It is called Blue Balls <laughs> by R.C. Bolt. It's supposed to be like a real rom-com uh, where he's a virgin, and I also will mention the related book. I don't know what it's about, but it is called Clam Jam. Oh my god. So. Amazing. R.C. Bolt has some great titles. Yeah, the Clam Jam summary is interesting. I'm reading over it. Clam okay. Jam, definition, the female equivalent of a cock block. Have Jesus. you heard of that before? No, I've never heard of a Clam Jam. I'm gonna use it now. Me too. All right. Well, on that note, let's clam jam out of here. <laughs> not how you use that. Maybe I'm gonna for re- sure not how you use that. Word. I'm gonna repurpose. I just really like that phrase now. I think you could say like, you know, my child is clam jamming me right now. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, you can use it the way you you have ample opportunity Fine. to use it I the way it's supposed to be. I just went on my first vacation with my toddler. My first vacation in four years to Maui. It was beautiful. And he clam jammed me the whole time. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. I only had two hours to myself the entire trip. But no, seriously, he was really fucking cute and it was great. So, yeah. And I read the, read some male virgin romances there. I read a lot of male virgin romances I here. I know. I did. Okay. Well. Are you a male virgin? Have, have you been with a male have virgin? Have you been with a male virgin when you maybe weren't one yourself? Also, I noticed that we didn't really do any male-male books, and that's mostly because yeah. I feel like it's very common to have, like, one of the men in a male-male romance be a virgin, at yeah. least the other men. I think most so, of the male-male romances I have read, at least, was, like, one of them was, like, a first-timer. Right. So uh, it just didn't... Yeah, it didn't, this is it didn't specific, fit This is more of a heterosexual romance. Yeah, it didn't, uh, it didn't episode, fit as so, well. But yeah. I should have mentioned it at the beginning, so, yeah. Anyway, but uh, we'll be back at it next week. What is our next thematic? Oh, it is Apocalypse. Anyway, you can find us on loveandpodcast.com or on social media, Instagram and Twitter at love and underscore podcast. Mm-hmm. You know, message us, comment at us. Rate us. Send us emails, rate us. I want to hear all your stories. If you have a trope we should look into or an author that we should talk to for Feel Love Friday or 
you have a story that you want us to share on Feel the Love Friday, please uh, give us a shout. Yes, because right now all we have are Caitlin's stories. and I mean, I have a plethora of I stories. I know, I don't think but... you're running out. But let's hear from someone else. Let's, yeah, let's hear from the crowd. See you later, lovers. Bye, lovers. Go love yourselves.